0: So why should we seek strategy? It humbles you to ask God, God, what do I do? Even though I've been here before, I've been in this place before, but I wasn't as close to you when I was in this place before. But now that I'm close to you, I want your will in it. I want your way. I want you to fix this. You're the only way I'm going to get through this. Hey, love. Welcome to Her Promise Circle Podcast, a safe space to come as you are, to receive the word you need, to help you continue on your journey to healing, growth, and walking confidently into God's purpose for your life. It's full of all the things that you'll need to live boldly as the woman God created you to be. I'm your host and founder of Her Promise Circle, Mikkel. Get connected, let us support you where you are right now and where you're going. So recapping, last time we talked about David when the Philistines were defeated. And the story is in 2 Samuel 5, 17 through 25. And last time my point was seeing our struggles in a different light. Seeing our struggles in the way that warrants more mature prayers into our prayer life. Seeing our struggles is not something we need to be freed of but as something we need to get through in order to get to break, in order to get to our next, in order to progress into where God is leading us. And so because of our perspective change in this story that we see David venturing through, we can then begin to pray mature prayers to ask God to be with us as we abide in him and go through the struggles and trust that He knew what the struggle would bring us. He knew what we would go through by going through it and that he has a reason for us to be going through it at that time. And so our prayers must match where God is taking us. As you mature as a Christian, your prayers must begin to match in order to elevate, in order to grow, in order to progress. And so let's keep going. So let's go to 2 Samuel 5. One T is where we left off. And I'm just gonna read this first because what I really want to hit home on is the second half of this. But let's read what happened at the end of what we talked about last week. So David went to Baal and David defeated them there. And he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water, my God. Therefore he called the name of that place Bel and they left their images there, and David and his men carried them away. So one thing I wanted to recap was we identified that a struggle is God highlighting something that we must confront. And we see in the scriptures before that, that David confronts his stronghold of the Philistines, right? So in changing our perspective of struggle, we are then able to rest in who God is instead of what that struggle is. So normally we rest and worry about what the struggle is or what's going to happen because of the struggle or fear of the setbacks of the struggle, instead of resting in who we know God to be. God is faithful. God says he has plans to prosper us. God says he will never leave us or forsake us. God says that he will fight our battles. And as we begin to mature, we begin to look at struggle as a way to bring God to it instead of bringing the struggle to God always. So we are bringing our struggle to God, but our perspective is resting in who we know God to be. And so our prayers must mature, as I already said. Okay, continuing. So behind the breakthrough of your struggle is freedom and elevation. Let's go to 21. 21 says, and they left their images there, and David and his men carried them away. So these images here that they're referencing is idols. their idols. So these people brought their idols to the battle. And that's often what we do, right? We find comfort, we find freedom, we find healing in things that are not God. So whether that's drugs or alcohol or sex or relationships, whatever makes you feel confident and full and whole and gives you purpose and and is making you feel like you can do something or is easing the pain of a struggle, that is an idol. And so they carried them away because God made himself known in this breakthrough. Even the enemy saw who God was <laughs> to David in this In this battle, because of the victory. Okay? So, continuing on, the Philistines came back, right? They did not learn their lesson. They are not having it. The enemy is never gonna be having you elevate. Okay? Let's be real. The enemy is never gonna be okay with you going to the next level. So, he's gonna be at you. Okay? You can pray, you can rebuke him, you can bind him. But if the struggle is allowed, remember, your perspective of it is okay. Elevation is on the other side of the struggle. So, They came back, but what happened this time? So let me go ahead and read and we'll talk about it. So in 22, 5 and 22, it says, Then the Philistines went up once again and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, and he said, You shall not go up, circle around behind them, and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly. For then the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord commanded him. And he drove back to the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer. Okay, so why read the second part, right? So in the first part, what happened? The Philistines went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired to the Lord saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said, yeah, doubtlessly I will deliver them. Go head on up there, right? But this time, David inquired to the Lord and said, hey, should I go up there and take them down? And God was like, yeah, no, not this time. You shall not go up. You're going to circle around behind them this time. Come up on them on the mulberry trees. And then when you hear the sound of marching at the top of the mulberry trees, hmm, sounds like angels to me. <laughs> when you hear army marching at the top of the mulberry trees, then you'll advance quickly and go. God gave him detailed instruction this time, right? And even forbid him in confronting it in the way that he did before. So what do we learn here? First of all, David inquires of God. We know that David is a fighter, right? David is a battler. This is what he does. If you read the story of David, you will continually see he is in a battle and he is winning, okay? Like he is a soldier through and through, starting from Goliath, right? From shepherd to soldier. But Despite the fact that David is skilled in the art of battle, in the art of war, he still inquires to God as to what he should do. He still asks God, hey, God, shall I go here and get them? Will you deliver them to me? So therefore, that's humility because David could definitely be prideful just from his past, just from his confidence in what he knows he can do. David could be prideful and be like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to just go and defeat him, right? And he he has done that. wrong. that happens in the Word, but right here, David is asking. His heart is right in the place that God needs it to be. First of all, he's acting in humility, in God's sovereignty. He knows that he doesn't know the future. He knows that God knows better. He knows that he cannot do it in his own strength and power. He knows that he needs God to defeat his enemy. And therefore, his inquiring each time, mind you, it's the same enemy. So he could have been prideful in the fact that he overtook them the first time. But he wasn't. He stayed humble. He stayed knowing that he needed God in order to defeat them. In his own strength and wisdom, he knew he was nothing. He abided in God and he desired God's will above all. So when God tells you, you shall go up. When God tells you, you shall not go up. Are you in a position to obey? First of all, are you in a position to ask? Are you in a position to ask and inquire of God's will for your life? Because most of the time, we are like how I said David could have been. We are prideful in our own strength. We are trying to put things together in our own strength and things that we want. We're trying to bring our own will about. We are not considering God until after we've brought things together, right? You get into a relationship. You really end up liking this person. You fall for them. Then you ask God. God bless this relationship. Did God bring you to that relationship? We don't know. You didn't ask him first. You went, you put this relationship together, then we asked God to bless it. Same thing with a job or, or a new car or a strategy for your business, whatever. We put things together and then we ask God to bless it. And then we get shocked when he is like, this wasn't really what my attention was for you, right? And so we know from seeing how David humbled himself under, under the submission of God that our position, our heart posture is so important when facing something difficult. And that is what God is trying to get us to. That is the position. That is the place God is trying to get you to. That place where you are surrendered, you are in position to obey swiftly. And so idols tend to prevent this. So I just wanted to bring back up the part where we see that they carried their images down. They went and they left their images out on the battlefield when they lost, right? Because they're like, yo, this God is the real deal. Idolatry blocks us from swift obedience. That is one of the biggest lessons and one of the biggest freedoms you can learn in struggle is most of the time, it's because we're going to something else to free us. And so we stay in this cycle of chasing our idol and chasing the temporary pleasure it gives us. Instead of going to God, instead of surrendering to God's will, instead of giving God everything that we have, we go through our own strength, our own means, our fleshly desires, our carnality. And so let's be real. If we know that David's heart posture was correct in submitting to the will of God, submitting to God's strategy and wanting to willingly obey, what idols do is keep you from swift obedience. So Let's say you're in a relationship you I know, have no business being in it. And I'm sorry, I'm mean, going to use relationship title because most of us <laughs> have been there or are currently there. It's okay, sis, so we're going to get through this together. But let's say that you're in a relationship that you put together on your own strength and will and you take it to God and you are asking him to bless it but this relationship is not it's giving you the idea and the image of a relationship that you would want but it's not fulfilling you this person's not as surrendered to god as you you're not pursuing god you're kind of distracted whatever it's kind of toxic you're going through things up and down but you take it to god and god shows you you pursue relationship with man over relationship with me you pursue them for purpose and identity and to feel loved and wanted over me he shows you that in the struggle you constantly face so you find yourself in and out of relationships in and out of relationships you get in one you get out of one go back in one get out of one go back in one get out of one and it's because you're you're trying to fill that hole that hurt with a person because you think that's the answer and so when you have an idol like that and god tells you to leave let's say god was like hey leave this person. This person is not for you. Could you do it? Are you in a position to swiftly obey the same way that David was like, okay, work. Let me do that. Same way with Abraham. Let's think about Abraham and Isaac, right? Hey, I need you to sacrifice your son. You know, the one that I promised you that I gave you. I need you to sacrifice your son. (laughs) It literally says, and Abraham rose early in the morning, right? It says Abraham rose early in the morning (laughs) to go. He did not question it. His faith, his posture was in the place to to respond immediately, act swiftly, and obey to what God says. So what idols do is they are our biggest block in swift obedience because it's hard for us to, one, we don't trust the goodness of God. This is for another topic. But one, we don't trust the goodness of God that he will restore or give us better. And two, we have been so accustomed to finding our our validation, our pleasure, our comfort, our healing in this person and thing for so long, we don't know how to let it go. And so we get afraid of, okay, what will I do if I'm by myself? I don't know what to do if I'm by myself. You know, you're afraid of change, but the change is God taking you deeper in him and deeper into surrender. A wilderness season, if you will, of being alone, because this is where you do your most growth, right? So our next lesson is, let's talk about it. They were probably tired of facing the same enemy, okay? So they was like, all right, here they are, they're back, help. Like, do you want us to go out there? What are we going to do? And and God knows that he's sensitive to his children. He's sensitive to where we are. He's sensitive to what we're doing, how we're feeling. Even if we're tired, though, it expresses our faith in him to ask him, what should we do? It shows our submission to his will, his way, his plan, and our willingness to receive a yes or no and our willingness to obey, whatever that answer is. So this time he inquired to God and said he'll deploy angels. He said that he's going to go before them. He tells him, then you will attack unexpectedly, right? God gives them strategy. So it's the same thing. Let's say you're stuck in this cycle, in and out of relationship, in and out of relationship, in and out of job, in and out of job, broke, poor, broke, poor, rich, then broke again because you don't know how to handle money. Okay, you're stuck in a toxic cycle. So you're facing this thing, but this time you're facing this thing with the right heart posture towards God. You're not facing this thing in your flesh, in your carnality anymore. Now you're surrendered to God. Now you're asking God for strategy. You're asking God with a heart that's willing and ready to obey him. That is ready to be in position to ask God's will. That has surrendered your own will. Cast down what you want and have accepted what it is that God wants in your life. Right? And so now that you're in this position... David asked for strategy and God gave it to him. Look how specific the directions are that God gave David because David was willing to to inquire of God above his own strength. I want to take y'all to Isaiah 30 and 21. It says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. If your heart is in the right position, you will have to inquire. However, when your heart is willing to hear God's will truly for your life, you will hear Him. You will be sensitive and inclined to His Spirit. And so when He gives you direction and strategy, when He tells you this is a season of rest, when He tells you this is a season of harvest, when He tells you this is a season, all right, we push through, we struggle, and it's a battle, but I'm with you, you're there to trust Him and know that He's going to get you through it no matter what the season is happy, sad, low, harvest no harvest, poor, unemployed, whatever the season is, you're ready and prepared to trust that God has better plans for you than you could come up for yourself. So why should we seek strategy? It humbles you to ask God, God, what do I do? Even though I've been here before, I've been in this place before, but I wasn't as close to you when I was in this place before. But now that I'm close to you, I want your will in it. I want your way. I want you to fix this. You're the only way I'm gonna get through this, right? Once you humble yourself, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So humbling yourself and knowing that God is sovereign. That God knows best. That God's ways are higher than our ways. Knowing that and humbling yourself to the sovereignty of God puts you in position to obey. And so that is the next thing. Why seek strategy? It puts you in position for swift obedience. Okay, yeah, we obey. Some of us obey obey a year later, two years later, three years later because God been working on your heart, working on your heart, telling you the same answer over and over again. You ever have that where you have a season where God's like, "This is it. This is it," and you're like, "Yeah, yeah, I don't know, I don't know." So four months goes by, and finally. You learned the hard way, and now you're doing it. But no, humbling yourself, seeking strategy from God, puts you in position for swift obedience, just as Abraham did when he sacrificed Isaac, or was going to, right? Abraham woke up early in the morning and went to do it. Why seek strategy? spiritual insight into God's plan. He now can trust you. Jeremiah 33 and 3 says that he will show us great and mighty things. When you're his friend, he can trust you with things that are part of his plan. He will begin to reveal to you more and more when you humble yourself and put yourself into obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obeying quickly is better than learning the hard way. When then you'll have to sacrifice the thing that you put together in your own strength. No, obedience immediately is swifter because that's acceleration because it's In God's plan it's the way he saw it going and so let's go to Isaiah 55 8 and 9 for just more word okay 55 8 and 9 my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord his thoughts are higher than our thoughts his ways are higher than our ways we are human we are fallible okay like we don't know his way is the only infallible way of doing things. He knows better than us. He has infinite wisdom. He has the plan for us, the plans to prosper us, to give us a future and a hope. When we rest in that, we finally can just surrender. Now, child, if you're anything like me, you won't have to get beat to your knees, go to the lowest you can go, have a couple breakdowns, right? Until you understand like, yo, God, you really do know better than me. But if you're smarter than me or not as stubborn as me, you realize early on like, God, your way is best. Your way is what I want. Your way is how I want the desires of my heart to be aligned to. I don't want to want a relationship from a place of lack, from a place of, oh, I need validation, I need purpose, from a place of I need to be loved or wanted or not feel lonely. I want to love from a place of abundance. That's the place that you give me. I want to be able to have a job in the way that you give it to me. I don't want to do anything dirty or sneaky to get it. I want to get it the way you want to. I want to treat people the way you treat people. I want to see people the way you see people. When you're in a position to humble yourself to the sovereignty and ways of God, you are in position to obey swiftly, as I'd said before. So, if in, you're in position to obey swiftly, then you will be following according to God. Now, that takes patience, children, patience, because then you'll have seasons of wait. Then you'll have seasons where you have to pray through struggles. Then you'll have seasons where it seems like God is quiet or distant. But this is all part of the walk. It doesn't say anywhere in the word that the walk is easy, okay? Because it's not. The pits at the end of the day, you have the fulfillment that you have God's best. Doing it in the way that you are humbled to his way. Humbled to the fact that you cannot do it in your own strength. Once you get to that low point, there's power in it. Why? Because you're not operating in your own strength. You're operating in his. He says, in your weaknesses, I'm made strong, right? So, If we are weak, he is strong. Come to me, all those who are weary and heavy laden, for I will give you rest. Because we are relying on his strength, his divine connection, his divine appointment, his divine timing. Not ours, not Mickey's time, not anybody else's time, not my boss's time, not my boyfriend, my husband's time. God's timing for my life. And I'm I'm relying in it. I'm resting in it. I'm ready and willing to obey God when he tells me to move or give something up. I'm not connected to it because I'm fulfilled by God. My relationship with God, not anything external, but my internal, my spirit is right. My heart is postured towards wanting him and what he wants in my life because I know that he has a great plan for me. I believe him when he says I have plans to prosper. I believe him as he says in Psalms 139. Yo, like I made you in the womb, bruh. (laughs) Look, I made you in the womb. In the womb, I formed you. I knew you. He had a plan for me from the beginning since I was an unformed substance. He delighted in me. My other favorite verse is, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Like, who are we that you have this plan for us? That is so great and mighty. And so continuing on, guys, is in your struggle. If you learn to trust God and change your perspective of what God is trying to show you in it, you can surrender more and more into your relationship with him. We are confronting our struggles alone. When God goes before us, and he also will give us strategy if we ask him, and we make things harder than it has to be, he is there with us, he's there for us, he is for us, not against us. He fights our battles, he goes before us, he has a plan for us. If we would just believe him, life would be so much easier, and this is where your joy and peace comes from. So today, ladies, I just want to leave you with your struggles have to be looked at in a mature way. There's elevation behind it, sis. There's direction in it. There's guidance in it. There's healing in it. And that's how God wants you to see your struggles. Begin to ask for strategy. Begin to humble yourself before him. Begin to obey swiftly. Be in position. Because what's behind that is your elevation, your purpose in life that he's taking you to. And I just can't wait till you get there. Like, let me know. Send me a letter. (laughs) But let me go ahead and pray. Dear God, I pray and ask that you give the woman listening guidance and strength in this season, God to deal with whatever struggle that you have allowed to come in her path. We know that nothing gets past you, Lord. We know that you care about us. We know that you are concerned about us. You know every hair on our head. You know what we can tolerate. Yes, we get tired because these things seem hard to deal with. But Lord, please help us see the silver lining. Please help us to trust in your will and your way, despite what's going on. Give us that spirit that that Job had, Lord, where he trusted you, despite the, the things that happened around him. Let us be confident and strong in our spirits and not overwhelmed by what is going on around us. Let us see you, Lord, as the God that you are, not the God that our trauma has us seeing you as, as, as a God that's trying to hurt us or harm us or be distant from us, but as a God who loves us and has plans to pr- prosper us, to give us a future order and a hope. And I pray, Lord, that you continue to change our perspective and advance us maturely into you and grow our relationship in you so that our struggles then become triumphs our struggles, teach us what it is you're trying to show us in this season. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. See you next time. God bless.